Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, Offsite Presentation Preparation, Hotel Logistics, Part 2 of 3. Here we go. Now, the other thing, find out how soon you can get into the room. And absolutely, the day or night before is a lot better. Folks, no matter what, don't wait to see the room until the day you're presenting. It's presentation Harry Carey. If, if you, if you, yeah. it really is. If you wait until the day of your pres- presentation, AV resources may already be committed and you can't get them. Staff may not be available because staffing can't change easily enough for a short, short notice. The room will not be set up the way you expected. You needed 100 seats and you only have 50 or you wanted them in classroom style and they're in some other style. Everything possible that can go wrong will go wrong. And the only way you can catch it is if you show up and inspect the room the day before you actually have to present. And if that means you can't get into the room until 11 o'clock at night, the night before, that's what you do. I cannot tell you the number of times that at midnight, we're down there looking at the room and we have the banquet staff in there rearranging chairs and tables because it's not set up properly. You don't want to discover that the moment you walk in the room in the morning. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, several people have told me when I've mentioned that you've got to do it the night before. They say, well, look, if something's wrong, you know, I can scramble in the morning. Remember, every single recommendation we're making here today is about manager tools and career tools. First rule of presentations, which is it's all about the audience. If you're scheduled to start talking at eight o'clock and you are scrambling around between seven and eight and you start your presentation sweaty or out of breath or you don't get to greet people when they're coming in. You look less than professional, or if you don't want to define it that way, you are less ready to be your best in front of your audience. And why? Because of a lack of preparation the night before. Yeah. And and folks, you'll do all these things, and it's still not a guarantee of success. Mark said earlier, you increase your chances, and they are chances. We do all the stuff we're talking about every single time. And there have been occasions where five minutes before eight, when we're getting ready to start a presentation, we're still scrambling. It can be that bad. Having done all this, there is still no guarantee of success. But you can increase your chances, and yeah. that's what we're talking about here. Another example related, it relates to food, but it's still about hotel support, is that we have breakfast in our in our banquet rooms at, at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning before an 8 o'clock start. And at 6.40, we're going over details with uh, the hotel staff, and we remind them, hey, in fifteen in five minutes at 6.45, you're going to start bringing in breakfast. And, and someone says, oh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, it's a houseman that we're doing it with. It has nothing to do with banquets. But nevertheless, he says, oh, yeah, we're on it. And at 7.10, we go and look for him and say, hey, what about what about the food? It's supposed to be, It was supposed to be in here by 7. They say, well, I'm not in banquets. Well, okay, why did you promise? Or why did you go remind banquets? And, hey, can you call banquets for us? And oh, by the way, you won't, you don't want the house calling banquets. You want to call banquets and say, hey, it's 710. You're supposed to be here 25 minutes ago. And by the way, if they say, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. And that's all. You're not any further along. You have to find out the name of the person you're talking to and you have to find out what they're willing to do. And then you may need to escalate very, very quickly as well. Yeah. Which all goes to our next point, which is if you have the leeway to set up the room, do it early and do it specifically. And folks, you have to ask for this. They don't necessarily volunteer it. If you ask, hey, when can we get the room set up? They will tell you the morning of your presentation. But if you push a little, almost always you can get in there the evening before. 
Well, but dude, if you ask, hey, when can we have the room set up? They will tell you it will be set up by your presentation. Yeah, exactly. They have no concept. They have no worry at all about what, you know, they're going to they're going to consider their resources. But as long as it's ready one minute before you start, they feel that they've met the criteria. You need to if you want it done the night before, you need to put that in the BEO. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we said that. Yeah. Any, any commitment yeah. you get having the BEO. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. If, if you don't give detailed advance guidance through the BEO and then by managing the staff who's going to deliver the BEO's details to you, you run the risk of, run, of having a room set up that doesn't support your presentation. Okay. Again, these recommendations we're making are really about your, making your presentation more effective for your audience. All this logistical work is to help your presentation occur with maximum effectiveness for your audience. We really don't want you to get good at hotel logistics though you will end up being so when you're all done. But we know you have to be good enough at it in order to deliver a high-level presentation if you're not the one, if it's not an on-site presentation at your existing organization. So the sooner you can get into your room, the better. Hey, wait, there's a pillar in the middle of my room. Hey, wait a minute. That wasn't, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't on the chart you sent us. <laughs> yeah. Wait, there's a podium. I didn't I didn't want a podium. Wait, there's a raised dais. Why do I want a raised dais? Wait, the setup is theater, and I want them to take notes, so I need classroom style. Wait, why is it set up in rounds? Which, by the way, round tables, the worst possible arrangement for a speaker. You need to verify the room. You need to have the BEO in your hand. You need to go over how the room will be set up. Folks, just so you know, when we do our conferences, we have the dimensions of the room and we have how far the front table is from the front wall. The side tables are from the side walls. The back tables are from the back walls in feet. Okay. You go over how the room will be set up and what remains to be done. If it's not set up the way you want the day before, make sure the setup is reviewed by whomever is assisting you in the room. And if somebody says, okay, we'll get it done that way. It's 10 o'clock at night. Come back at 11 and check to see whether or not it's done. Yep. No doubt. Now we can be uh, vague and imprecise in all our communications, right? Okay, folks. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't got to know me by now, this is my uh, facetious tone. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we, we, look, we don't mean any ill intent by this guidance. Uh, hotel staff are good people trying to do their best for you. Uh, hotels are also trying to do their best. Uh, this is not easy work for them for all the reasons we mentioned. We have found that if you assume that someone is going to try to work against you in terms of how you think about it, not in terms of their ethics, you're much more likely to get what you bargained for in advance. Folks, you can't say things like, well, is this possible? That's a totally normal customer service way to be polite and indirect to someone who's providing you service. But it is a completely nonsensical question with a hotel because technically anything is impossible. Anything is possible. And the hotel says, well, sure, right? So in other words, it's a question that's going to get you a yes, but it probably won't be actioned, which is not what you want. We also recommend you listen well to statements that staff make, especially when you're on site. And, and this is not a complete list, but I'll find out, quote, I'll find out, unquote, doesn't mean anything's going to get done. It means your question will be asked of someone else, and that, that person who's not in front of you will have little compunction to say no. But just because the person tells you they're going to find out doesn't mean they'll come back and report you, and it doesn't tell you when they're going to report to you, and doesn't tell you they'll report to you specifically. 
I like the one I'll ask, right? I'll ask, right? Yeah, right. The houseman who is helping you will go ask, probably. But the person whom they ask isn't engaged in solving your problems and is probably doing something else. And when your houseman leaves the room as you're preparing, you now have no support. And they're going to be pulled in a 100 different directions by other people who aren't associated with your meeting. And maybe it'll be five minutes. Maybe it'll be two hours. They may not be at all sensitive to your schedule. They may be going off shift in 15 minutes. My favorite is uh, the phrase, I'm sure that won't be a problem. That phrase itself is likely a problem. Look, it's not a commitment. I'm sure that won't be a problem. We've often heard it used specifically for this reason. In other words, the hotel person just wants to say, I'm sure that won't be a problem, only to be able to say later, well, actually, it was harder than I thought. And then they can say, well, I never promised it to you, right? It gives staff an out and it placates you, the presenter. Yeah. So, be careful about how you're spoken to and the kinds of questions you ask. Be specific. Be precise. Right. And if you need a projector and a screen, it would be hoove you to ask about those. Find out what the strength of the projector is, what the size of the screen is, the type of the screen. All those things can have an impact on your presentation. And you can't make any assumptions. We've done 30, 20, 30 conferences, maybe 40, 50 even 60 days worth of conferences in the last few years. And just recently we, we had another, we brought up again, the conversation about buying our own projector and traveling with it. Right. Right. Absolutely. You and I just talked about it just recently because you just never know. Look, regardless of whether or not you're allowed to set up the room because you may have no input on it, knowing this stuff and having knowledge about it will help you. If in fact you do get a little bit of leeway, the screen is important. It tends to be a function of the, how the room is is that you're in, right? How it's being set up. Generally, though, you're either going to have a screen that comes down from the ceiling or you'll have a freestanding one that the hotel or the AV company will set up for you, okay? We prefer drop-down screens because they're generally in better condition, right? They're, they're stored on the ceiling where nobody messes with them. They tend to hang straight down. Freestanding screens, if you have a bigger audience, sometimes are bigger than a small drop-down screen. Like if it's a 10 by 10, if a hotel tells you it's a 10 by 10, you might want to ask, is it a drop-down or is it a freestanding one? Okay. Because if it's freestanding, even though it might be bigger, they tend to have bins and folds in the actual screen because they're not set up exactly perfectly straight up and down. They don't stand straight up and down just because they're old and they've been broken down and they're designed to be stored. And so it's not a rigid structure. If your freestanding screen is a little bit older and it doesn't stand up exactly straight, you won't be able to focus your projector on it completely. And part of your projection is going to be blurry during your entire presentation. So if you can use a drop-down screen that is big enough, yeah, do it. If you have to have a standing screen, right? Work with the staff to get it as straight as you possibly can and be picky about it. Tell them the screen's not done until I get a projector here. I get to plug my laptop in and we get to look at the focus on it. I mean, I've seen it happen. A presenter wonders why everybody's complaining about the screen. And it's because the screen's out of focus on the top half because when you stand next to the screen and look at it, you realize the screen is leaning backwards that the, the top of the screen is a foot further away from the projector than the bottom of the screen. And so it looks terrible. And whose fault is that? Well, you could blame the hotel or you could say you're responsible for your presentation in front of your audience. Yeah, you could say that because it is true. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of folks are going to make presentations from their laptop. So 
folks, you need to ask specifically about the ability to use your own laptops. Now, many times coordinators for your firm or the conference prefer having all the slide presentations loaded on their laptops. Now we understand right. why you don't want to be, you know, going back and forth there. Are, you know, there's no connection issues. They know their laptop is sound. They probably have a backup and they get your presentation well in advance of the meeting. Yeah, that's part of the reason why they want to use their own laptop is send me your presentation so I can load it on there. Yeah, exactly. Then they have it, right? But maybe you're used to your laptop and it's remote control. And the remote control is the thing that gets folks often. Believe it or not, maybe they don't have a remote control and expect you to speak from the podium. Oh, my gosh. Or maybe, and this is frankly even worse, maybe they expect you to have one of them assist you and tell them when to advance your slides. Next slide, please. Next slide, yeah. please. Oh, and hopefully you know which one of yeah. those is the worst ways to present, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you something else, too. I mean, so many people travel around with their own laptops, and I know people plug in, and it's fine. And if you're in the tech world, that's pretty normal to plug in your laptop. But don't assume that's the case, right? What we're saying here is not that you should want to use your own laptop. We're, we're, our recommendation is you ask specifically about the ability to use your own laptop. Okay. It's amazing. Don't assume you're going to be able to and insist on doing so if you can. If you are in one location and their laptop is in another location or they have a gigantic remote control or you're not comfortable with the remote or it's just a little bit different than yours and you make repeated mistakes in an hour or two hour, three hour presentation, it doesn't look good. And you can't blame the hotel. It doesn't look professional to blame the hotel. Something else related to that, ask specifically about where the laptop will connect to the projector. Even if you get to use your laptop, it won't work if the connection is all the way in the back of the room and your Bluetooth remote doesn't have the range to reach that far. About the only time we recommend having a podium in the room is when that is the only way the hotel is going to be able to bring you a projector connection. Now, the fact is, that's never true. Okay. What ends up happening is one presenter says, I'd like a podium. And then the hotel puts up a podium and that's where they give you VGA support. And so therefore your projector connection. And so therefore that's where everybody has to put their laptop. And depending upon your laptop, it may or may not work in terms of the lip that the podium has on it and how steep the podium is, believe it or not. So over the years, I've had to jury rig ways to uh, make sure my laptop didn't slide off the podium that I was provided to put my podium on, put my laptop on, by the way. If you have a great deal of leeway in most small to medium sized room, you, we recommend you request the smallest table available for your laptop and the projector together. Okay. That large table that they want to give you isn't necessary and it often just gets in the way. Generally, we recommend it skirted so that all the power stuff is underneath and you have to take the power cord down over to the wall outlet and so on. I say that if you have a great deal of leeway, often you don't have that much leeway. And if you're one of a number of presenters, the projector will already be set up. But know where it is and what your abilities are to use your own laptop and your own remote are before you ever go to the hotel. Now, we, we mentioned uh, house versus, you know, house sound versus speakers earlier. Folks, if you can avoid speakers, do so. <laughs> the the well, folks the in the front row are really going to thank like you. Speakers, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there are a couple of reasons why, if you can avoid speakers, we recommend you do so. First, uh, as Mike mentioned about the people in the front row, room size often causes a situation where in order for the amplified sound to work appropriately in the back of the room, it has to feel pretty loud in the front of the room where they usually pay, place the speakers. 
when the AV or hotel staff suggest you test it and you sit in the front row for 10 seconds, they suggest you it's not that bad and it's not for 10 seconds. But all day in that front row can be deafening for many, many speaker setups that they have. The other one, and we actually just had this happen in Boston, if you're using any wireless microphone at all and you're moving around, hopefully you are as a presenter, feedback can be a problem, right? We've had situations many times over the years where we've been told at the last moment, oh, sorry, there's no house sound, and so therefore you can't go here, 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 and here with that microphone because this is where we have to set up the speakers. This is the only place we can set up the speakers. I remember one time it was so bad, I said, leave the speakers out, I'll be hoarse at the end of the day, but I'm not doing that. I'm not having some AV person who has no sense of how much value this presentation has to our audience telling me where I can and cannot stand as it relates to the audience because they don't have house sound or they don't want to use house sound or this is the speaker company or they get extra money from us if they set up speakers. Yeah, And, and different microphones and speakers have different characteristics. So what works fine in one situation doesn't seem to work in another. It's matter of fact, it's it's such that we um, carry a lot of our own audio equipment because we have some great microphones that from Sure that are less prone, much less prone to that feedback stuff. But that's not necessarily the equipment you're going to get from yeah. the audiovisual people at your conference. Yeah. There's another interesting point here that's worth mentioning is we mentioned that the AV folks are generally not from the hotel. So these, this is a, a third party. They're coming in. They're audiovisual experts. They consider themselves audiovisual experts, and most of them are, pr- are pretty good. They know what they're doing. If you're familiar with DISC, a lot of these guys are high Cs. They have a right. very strong opinion as to sound quality. And so what they'll do is they will push you very hard often to use speakers because the fidelity of the sound coming out of standalone speakers is generally better than that coming out of right. house sound. We hear that a lot, yeah. Except that it's much less effective for your audience. Most of the time, they're not listening to music, they're listening to your voice. And coming from house speakers is better than the speakers in front. And that is not what the AV folks are going to tell you. Yeah, a, a good example is if you're an energetic speaker, they're going to have you test when you say test one, two, three, and they're not going to test repeatedly you being loud or impactful or energetic at particular times of the day. And all the fidelity in the world doesn't make up for that person in the front row being uncomfortable. Also, I happen to think as well that the fact that I know this is probably way too detailed for most people, but the fact that the sound has to travel from the front to the back of the room, if you're standing in the middle of the room, Uh, in the middle of your audience, and you say something, and it has to go from the speaker, you say it, and then it comes from the speaker and goes over the front of the room to the back of the room. There is a difference for the audience, not only in terms of volume, but in terms of timing, than if you're speaking, and it's coming out of the house speakers above everyone, and it reaches everybody at the same time. I believe there's a difference. I believe people are sensitive enough to notice it. And I think it's too loud in the front and it's too delayed in the back. And oh, by the way, if you ask the hotel, I'd like a couple of speakers in the back, they look at you and say, well, oh, that's not the way we do it. What do you know about my audience? <laughs> right. Trust us, folks. This is something to pay attention yeah. to. And the folks that are uh, providing you a fee support are not necessarily the best ones to listen to here because their objective is different than yours. You're concerned about the audience. And they're concerned about the fidelity of the audio 
and they are not necessarily the same. Our next point is something that when I first learned it the hard way, it absolutely shocked me. <laughs> you would think that you put on a BO, BO right? Because we talked about the importance of BO. And this is this is one this is one area of the BO that you really, really have to pay attention to. And at what percentage, let me ask you, Mike, what percentage of people who are listening right now do you think would do this or know this if we didn't say it here? One percent? I don't know. I think it's a very, very small percentage. Yeah, I think if you if you're going to become if you're an individual contributor, if you're a professional and you become a manager and you become a director and a VP and then an executive, the chances that you're not going to deal with this at least one time in your career are zero. The chances you're going to deal with it ten times are pretty darn good. You know, probably eighty percent or so. And yet, no one seems to know this. The fact is, you have to verify that your room, the place where you're scheduled to present, hasn't changed since you signed a contract and they said you can have that room. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that if you contracted for a 33 by 33 foot room. And let's go, let's say it's called the president room. Okay, the president room, right? And on so you, it's on, the, it it's on the BO that you could show up and you could be in the peon room? Yeah, absolutely you could. And they would be completely within the rights. They could move you to a 25 by 50 room, which of course is it's roughly the same size. But you, we, the hotel says, we knew you wouldn't mind because it's bigger, right? That's important to the hotel because, of course, they're paying capital for square footage, right? Right. Oh, yeah, of course, it has pillars in it. Um, but nobody seems to mind that before. We rent it out a lot. Of course, we had to other people who aren't good presenters and don't manage these things. Uh, and no, it doesn't have any external windows. I didn't know that was important to you. Oh, my gosh, how could you not know that was important to me? But actually, we were able to rent the president's room and somebody really wanted that specific space that we promised you. And they did so at a higher rate because they booked later and we could charge them a higher rate and get away for, with it. You can fix this if you show up, review the BEO the night before because it's in the contract, right? The fact that yeah. you got the president's room, right? No, because all of the hotel contracts we have ever signed specifically state that the hotel can move you at any time at their discretion. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't be sure of the room until the moment they give you final okay, three to five days before the event. And even at that late a date, there have been known to be changes. One of the reasons why it's useful to be able to get in and set up the night before. Less chance of it being exactly. ripped out from underneath you. Yeah. So three to five days before, folks, you actually have to say to the hotel, I want to verify I'm going to be in the president's room. It's going to be this by this, right? And if they say, well, you know, all of our contracts say, look, let, let's be clear. This is what the contract says. I know it also says that. What, what I often do, we actually cross that out and initial it and say, no, we agreed to this and we're paying this price. And you just cross it out. And they don't check the BEO after you've signed it. Gosh, we went through. Remember, God, the pages we've gone through and the, the agreements we changed because we're not going to agree to spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. And then have a hotel at the last minute say, no, we decided to move you in rooms. It's the same square footage, and that's all that matters. It's literally at their discretion. They can give you any room they want as long as they're not violating a fire code. Yeah, folks, this is – it happens. You you have to pay attention to this. Uh, otherwise, you are likely to be surprised. And the yep. room can make a big, big difference. Yep. Some people think of it as overmanaging. But is there something we can do more positive to help get uh, yeah. better results? Look, 
Praise the hotel staff that had bent over backwards to help you. Yeah, the system's not set up maybe in our favor as presenters. That doesn't mean it can't be flawless. It really can. You just have to spend more time managing than you want to. And if you're going to manage it, somebody else is going to do the work for you. And that's the way you want it. And so some praise to those housemen or banquets people and even tips to those people often really help. If you're helped by somebody who's particularly good in banquets or in the housing staff or in catering, if they respond pleasantly and politely and they try to satisfy your request as best they can, a tip really can make a difference, right? Particularly if it's early uh, in the relationship. Almost nobody tips these folks, but a lot of their coworkers at the hotel do get tipped. Look, if you're not a tipper, A kind word to a manager on duty, to an MOD, or to a banquets manager for a houseman, or even the GM, the general manager of the property, in unusual cases, is effective. You'll get even better service after you give someone a 5 or a 20 or what have you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll conclude this series next week. So long.